Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going back to the world of Big Finish once again. And this time, Paul has selected yet another story for us. And it's a sixth Doctor story, The Spectre of Lanyon Moor. But first, let's have some news. And, well, uh, since we recorded our news fairly early last week, didn't we? Because the commentary was pre-recorded. And I... so, so I was couldn't even be bothered to turn up for that. No, exactly. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, I recorded our news um, last Thursday. And uh, honestly, it's usually the thing with us. As soon as we record uh, news, there's another big announcement comes out. So, as usual, and true to form, last Friday it was announced that Deep Breath, the first episode in the eighth series of Doctor Who, is going to get another cinema outing. No surprise, really, is it? No. Considering the success of uh, Day of the Doctor. Yeah. And, and, And seeing this is... Obviously, another one that's going to be of that sort of length that they can do it with. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Now, uh, apparently this has been screened around the world in over 1,500 cinemas. Now, at the moment, we haven't got any um, information on the UK screens, because you've been looking, haven't you? (laughs) I have been looking, and all I can find out is that my local cinema is going to be showing the good, the bad and the ugly in August, so I'm I'm unhappy anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I wouldn't mind, um, excuse me, going to see this on the big screen. And I don't know if it's just going to be shown on that one night or it's going to be kept in the cinemas for a week like the day of the Doctor was. Yeah, or at least have a, a second outing during the week. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we'll have to keep keeping pilled in that one, I think, Paul. Yeah. Definitely. But uh, no, it's good. It's a big, another big um, event for Doctor Who. Uh, I I'm hoping this is going to be like a regular thing now. It means they're going to have to start off every series with a feature-length episode, though, doesn't it? I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I suppose, I mean, whether they could start off with, whether they'd want to start off with a two-part episode which they could put in the cinemas as a single uh, feature-length episode, I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, no, this, this is good stuff. It's good stuff. And uh, yes, we're, we're still not entirely sure whether we're going to be able to get our review out that weekend, are we? So <laughs> No, I'm, I may be around, I may not. Indeed. Um, so we're going to have to uh, play that one by ear for the time being. But uh, hopefully we'll know nearer the time where we're going to get our, uh, hopefully our review Hopefully we're now on the 23rd. <laughs> well, I know, because, you know, Paul, you know, everybody's waiting for our review of the first episode. You know, you know the world is waiting with bated breath. Uh, there'll be some people that, yeah, won't, won't watch it until they've, they've heard whether we liked it or not. <laughs> Well, like Roman emperors with the thumbs up and the thumbs down. <laughs> right, okay, now the next item of news. Um, now, there's going to be not a Doctor Who prom uh, next year as such, but it's called the Symphonic Spectacular. Uh, we'll be in the, in the United Kingdom next year, and that's going to be running sort of towards the end of May uh, next year. Now, um, it's going to be on in uh, London, Cardiff, Birmingham, Leeds, Newcastle and Glasgow. Okay, now we were sort of we we looked at this out, and the tickets are actually on sale now, aren't they? They're sort of like a, a pre-sale yeah. thing for for fans, and uh, I must admit, well, I can't quite work out how that necessarily. No, oh. no, me neither. They went on sale um, on ten a.m. 
on Wednesday the 30th of July via the uh, the Sea Tickets website. Yeah. And then they go on sale to the general public, but because soon there's actually no uh, no code to put in. I wasn't, yeah, sure how that yeah, works. Yeah, how, how sure it's... it works. I know, I know it's been advertised through the, the um, for, for an official Doctor Who website, but it does seem a bit, a bit odd. Because I actually had a look on the Wednesday the 30th of July and couldn't see that they was on sale at all. They were no. still saying on sale on the 3rd. On the first, um, yeah, 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 a bit weird, a bit weird. But um, anyway, the dates are now. There's two performances per day as well. So uh, at on the London date, which is Saturday the 23rd of May. Uh, so so I should go back and say the performances are 3 p.m. and 7:30 p.m. on each respective day. So, so I when I looked quickly, I didn't realise they were doing two two per day, and. Mm. I saw it was Saturday 3pm and I thought, well, why is that in the afternoon? Yes. <laughs> that stuff is happening in the evening. Perhaps it's because there's going to be Doctor Who on in the evening on May the 23rd. No. 2015, no. Yeah, no, it's just no, another not. show in the evening. I suddenly realised. Actually, when's the... Um... I was going to be getting on a sort of scoop that that might be there. There was all going to be at 3 o'clock in the afternoons because of... I'll say that the, um, the, the football season's well and truly over by then, isn't it? Um... That may actually be. Actually, I'm trying to think now because I'm thinking the, FFA Cup final time here, and all the playoffs. The playoffs may well be that Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It may be a bit congested the tubes there, folks. Yeah, especially if you're going to the, the afternoon one. one. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very good point, actually, which I hadn't necessarily yeah taken on board. Oh dear. Seems okay. a bit odd then that they've actually done it for that day, it does, doesn't it? it? Very Why strange. they've not done it for perhaps that's because actually nobody else wants to go to <laughs> wants Wembley they get they get Wembley Arena cheaply that weekend because nobody wants to go there. Well, it, that's a good point. It maybe maybe it's something to do with that. Um, I must admit, when I saw it was at Wembley, I'm not so keen on going because I just don't like Wembley. Really, I just yeah. think it's a not a, a great venue. But anyway. Um, so Saturday the 23rd of May, it's at the SSC Arena, Wembley in London. Then on Monday the 25th of May, it's at the Motor Point. Now it says the Motor Point area. I'm quite sure it meant to say Arena in Cardiff. On oh, nice. tu- Maybe. But Tuesday the 26th of May, it's at the National Indoor Arena at Birmingham. On Wednesday the 27th, it's at the First Direct Arena at Leeds. Thursday the 28th of May, Newcastle Metro Radio Arena. And then Glasgow on Friday the 29th of May, it's at the SSC Hydro. So there you go. So, uh, so as of well, the ticket by the time this podcast goes out, um, the tickets would have been got on sale. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so. the, the FA Cup final is the thirtieth. Very late. Very late. I think because the season started later because they've had the World Cup this year and there's no tournament next year, so they can be. They could be a bit a more bit lax later. with the dates, can't they? So yeah. Okay, folks, you can breathe easy. But it may be that you may have been right about the playoffs now. Uh... Yeah, it might be. Oh well, if we, if we find out. Uh, the, the football season and when the playoffs I mean, might, might, might be a, could be a plus could be Millwall in the playoff final on the Saturday 3 o'clock and we get tickets for the 7.30 performance you'd be you, saves all your pro- travel problems oh, you're just in the realms of fantasy now Paul <laughs> Millwall in the playoffs come on um now, next bit of news. Let's get move away from football back up to Doctor Who again and obviously another thing since we've been away there was a or since we recorded the news and everything, because last Saturday there was another teaser trailer released, yes, as well, uh, which has been sort of subtitled the Listen trailer, which has featured uh, the Twelfth Doctor meditating on top of the TARDIS. Um, 
Now, I've used this word quite a lot um, since all these trailers and teasers have come out. I'm, I'm going to use the word again. En- enigmatic. Do you think yeah. they are pushing the enigmatic nature here quite a bit, aren't they? Yeah. They're Very just mysterious. trying... They, they really don't want you to have any idea what you're getting with it. No, not at all. Not at all, which I'm really, really pleased about. Now, I think the other thing as well, there was the, there was the other trailer, wasn't there? Which uh, which I think we, I mentioned last week, but uh, well, you went around for the news. It, it, the other trailer didn't give away a lot, did it? It gave away less than the, than the other trailer. It, it was the travel size trailer, wasn't it? Was, it? Wasn't it? <laughs> for those of you that really haven't got a minute of your life to spare, here's a trailer. Here's a trailer for you. <laughs> now, despite saying that um, they're not giving much away, now, last Sunday, um, again, <laughs> this came out after we wrapped up recording our our, um, our episode. That in the last week's uh, Sunday Times, there was an interview with Peter Capaldi, which I think was in the Colour Supplement, wasn't it? May have been, yeah. May have been. I'm not too sure. Now, obviously, um, the Sunday Times is a pay per view site, so um, obviously, I'm not going to pay to read it's an article. Too tight to do that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but um, plenty of other sites have reported on this anyway, and basically, sort of just sort of praised the the interview down into sort of uh, the important stuff, I should say. Now, um, basically. Uh, He's saying that the, the, this is the big thing, really, and, and it's already um, people have sort of possibly reading more into this than, than necessary, but he's already said that his doctor, um, or he insisted, actually, that his doctor, there should be no flirting. Yeah. Uh, now, to, to, this is the, the quote from, from the interview. He said, um, he said, there will be no flirting, that's for sure. It's not what this doctor's concerned with. It's quite a fun relationship, but no. I did call and say I want no Papa Nicole moments. If people don't yeah. remember what that was, that was an old. Which, re- which is showing his age. It is actually. Yeah. It's showing our age because we remember it as <laughs> I was well. Gonna, so. I was say, Matt Smith wouldn't have come up with that comment because he wouldn't have known. No, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you don't know what Papa Nicole is, just type that into YouTube or Google, and it, it was an old Renault Clio advert. Um, so anyway, now this is the thing. This this is the line I think people have latched onto. And he's, after he said, I want no Papa Nicole moments, I think there was a bit of tension with that at first, but I was absolutely adamant. Now, people have sort of read into that that Moffat wanted him to be flirty and, and have a Karen sort of this relationship with Clara. And Capaldi is saying, no, that's not what his doctor's about. Which yeah. is fine. Now, maybe it did cause a bit of tension. Maybe that sort of threw Moffat off track a little bit. But... Um, he'd always said that this was going to be a totally different Doctor anyway. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting from this is if you take this all at face value, um, that Capaldi does seem to have come in with a certain amount of agenda of his own before, it sounds, before he agreed to do the to do it. It does. Um, now... He was, the doc- he was going to... He wanted to be the Doctor, but he wanted to be his Doctor. Yeah. As opposed to... They was going to write it for him rather than him yeah, fitting with their fitting, plans. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I know a lot of people have, have... I mean, I must admit, I'm also quite happy that it's not going to be a flirty Doctor this time because we've had that. Yeah. You know, it's time for a change and that's what the Doctor Who's all about. It's all about change. And I'm glad, I'm glad. It, I know there's a lot of other people, other podcasters as well, who are uh, quite 
pleased that this isn't going to be another flirty doctor. But another thing... You make that sound as if podcasters have more of an opinion than others. Oh, no. Have a more worthwhile opinion than others. <laughs> of course we do. We know that. But don't, let other, don't, don't, don't be condescending to the general <laughs> Now, um, he also goes on to say that um, he, he describes the, the look as quite hard. He's always wanted him to be in black. I always just saw the Doctor in dark colours, not tweed. Uh, again, th- th- that echoes what you just said. It sounds like he had his own agenda Yeah. with this. Now, he also goes on to say um, that he assured fans that the tone of the series, and this again is paraphrasing, is going to be a bit different from what we've seen over recent years, a bit more gravity. Uh, over the past two or three years, which I've loved, there's often been a breathless vigour. We still have that attack, but we have another level of drama, another tone, and the scenes are longer. Which, that's interesting. We've seen a bit more gravity at his age. He's not going to do any wire work. No, he? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's, there's something struck me with all of this, and it, and it, it does seem to sort of counter those rumours that he was only going to stay for one series. This sounds like someone who's sticking around for a while. It sounds like he's got a long game with this one. Yeah, or at least in the fact that, yeah, he's come in and he's got his own ideas and wants to do it his yeah. way. Yeah. Which tends to suggest, yeah, that he's got more than just a... It's not just the case of... It's a bit oh, of stuff casting for I wanna, series. I've, yeah, I want to fulfil my boyhood dream, which I'll do it for one series, and I don't care as long as I actually get to be the Doctor. Yeah. This says that, yeah, I'm if I'm going to play this role and I'm going to do it, it's going to be exactly as I want it. And if you're going to do that, then you'd also think that there'd have to be a bit of give and take. If he's going to go to Moffitt and say, I, my doctor's going to be this and I want my doctor to wear this and I want my doctor to do that, mm. then Moffitt would probably turn around to him and say, well, you've then got to commit yourself. Yeah. Because if we're going to change it that much, got we need more. you yeah, to exactly. be... Now, there's actually another thing in the, in the article as well because he said he was... Um tried on loads of different costumes as well with, with the uh, costumers. And he said they dressed up in one outfit. Um, now, I love this. He said he made him look like Count Arthur Strong. So, now, those of you who don't know who Count Arthur Strong is, it, it's a, a, a comedy character. He's mainly been on radio, hasn't he? And it's, it's like a, a live sort of stage act. But he, he just had um, a series on BBC Two, uh, which I yeah. loved, to be honest. I thought it was brilliant. And he has got quite a tweedy look to him, hasn't he? Yeah, and I love the fact he he, he used he, he described himself looking like Count Arthur Strong actually. So, but I would love to see that. <laughs> I'd love to see what that looked. Well, we had the little trilby on as well. I'd love to see that outfit. So hopefully that that will come out in later years. Mm. Any luck, but uh, but anyway, uh, that's yeah. enough for, for like proper news, isn't it? Yeah, that's enough for proper news because now we're going to whiz right over to Omega's Tech Corner. You pester me with trinkets. Okay, now we got quite a few items, courtesy of you, Paul, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, some of them are, yes. Yes, courtesy of, of, your, of your good self. Now, um, shall we go through the stuff that's been sort of previewed at the San Diego Comic Con? Yeah, because this is quick and there's obviously nothing, no actual details other than we've seen pictures. Yes, indeed. Now, this is courtesy of um, a site called awesometoyblog.com. Now, um, the one that initially caught my eye was the, this is great, the Sonic Cutlery set. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so just, just what you need. Just what you need. It's a knife, fork, and spoon. Okay, as you say, it's a set. But 
the handles of uh, each item is Eleventh Doctor's sonic screwdriver. Yeah, and, and a co- this- yes, and so it's a company. This is also a potato peeler. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily that you necessarily need that at the table, but no, indeed, <laughs> it depends on how you do your spuds, I suppose. Indeed. Now, again, it's, it's another potato pellet with a sonic screwdriver handle. I'm just sort of a bit nervous because they haven't given any details, and if you're going to have about six, you're going to have about six or eight people around for dinner. That's could be quite costly buying the whole set. Couldn't it is it? actually, yeah. Cause... Especially, actually, do they do little smaller ones for the starter knives? That's what I want to know. And occasional plates. <laughs> now, obviously. Um, you're going to need something to wash all this cutlery out with and potato peelers and whatever, aren't you? Yes. Well, don't worry, folks, because you've got a sonic washing brush as well. Fantastic. Uh, if only it was real working sonic Oh, no, if only. Now, um, there's also, uh, to accompany your, um, your your cutlery set, there appears to be... Now, we're only guessing at what these things are because there's no actual links to anything here they did right, just... so it's not as good as it's it was. not as good as it was it's too much masturbating so um it looks to be <laughs> that was just when he saw the pictures of this <laughs> <laughs> it was i couldn't no never mind. um <laughs> yeah it looks to be like um tardis plates as well doesn't it yes square plates uh we're surmising that's what they are we don't actually know it does appear to be a bit of a theme of um Cups and glasses and plates and knives and forks and and stuff. Um, it really is just tat, isn't it? Yeah. And you've also got a spatula as well in the shape of a TARDIS. Yes. And you've got cloth, tablecloths, napkins. napkins. Uh, you've got another TARDIS teapot and uh, dinner trays as well. Uh, now, there was one that sort of... Uh, there's a few key rings as well, wasn't there? And, and, a, and yeah. a sonic screwdriver plushy thing. Now... There's a one that sort of... Oh, actually, before I get into the, the one that we find absolutely amazing, there's loads of new watches as well, isn't there? Yes. Um, all of which have got like a... Well, they're all sort of really an 11th Doctor theme to them. One's got a bow tie on the watch face. Someone's got the St. John's Ambulance badge on it. Um, but Tardis. Tardis, blah, blah, blah. And one's got a picture of Matt Smith on. It, it's very difficult to see in these photographs. They, they don't enlarge at all. But, um, but the one that caught your eye was the... Um, the headphones, wasn't it? Yes. Now, there appears to be like three or four sets of headphones here. They're all sort of display case. Now, one of them, uh, TARDIS headphones. Yeah. They're like in, they're in-ear headphones. They do incredibly uncomfortable to wear. But we've also got Dalek ones, adipose yeah. ones, and we think, because you can't quite make out in the in the photograph, we think they're Cybermen. Heads there are the, on the spot, uh, aren't Cybermen they? or Weeping Angels. They're yeah, grey head sort of thing. Yeah, we can't quite tell in this photograph. Um, they do look they're going to get uncomfortable rather quickly. <laughs> yes, yes. You, you get the feeling gimmick, well, I'll wear them once. Yeah, indeed. And, and um, I mean, walking around with those plugged in your ears, you're really nailing your colours to the mask there, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> I don't know, I'm going to get myself a set of the adipose ones. I don't, I don't see anything odd looking about walking around with those in your ears. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't look that um, that great. But So we don't know who's manufacturing this stuff, how much it's going to cost, even if it's going to come out. Yeah. You know, it's literally it's just people displaying their, their wares, and I think they just hope someone's going to pick it up. But, uh, but no doubt... This stuff will be out for Christmas, and we'll be t- we'll be discussing the the the, uh, the obscene extor- amount. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I was going to say extortionate prices. It will, it will cost you on Forbidden yes. Planet. Now, um, 
Speaking of Forbidden Planet, um, now there is another uh, figure set coming out. This looks like this is the five, but we're back to five inch figures again, doesn't it? Yeah, it, appear, it appears to be. Now I think this is a uh, this is a Forbidden Planet exclusive, and it's only available for delivery in the UK and the Re- and the Republic of Ireland. Okay, so anyone uh, living outside the UK looks like you're out of luck, unfortunately. Now, it is the Impossible Set, that's what it's called, and it features the Eleventh Doctor and Clara. And yeah. basically, the Eleventh Doctor is in his um, uh, Christmas. Uh, what what was the name of the episode? The snowman. snowman. That's it. He's in the snowman outfit, which is with the top hat and you know, look at the artful dodger look. I should say is probably the best way it sums it up. And Clara is in her um, Asylum with the Daleks little little yeah. red dress. Now, so I don't know, not I'd... necessarily quite together. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, completely apart. And she's also got a little burnt souffle extra there as well, hasn't she? Yes. Um, and, and and a souffle making belt. Yes. Now. The figure looks absolutely nothing like her, no. for a start. Um, the Matt Smith one's got a passing resemblance to him, I suppose, but it looks nothing like Jenna Coleman. I mean, it, it is actually quite well, an insult to her, really. So. Only the knees are quite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, this is available or due in to Forbidden Planet on Saturday the 30th of August. Now, if you want to buy this for two figures, okay... This is selling for the extortionate price of twenty nine pounds ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Two, two figures and a, and a burnt souffle. And a burnt souffle. Um, yeah, I think they they really are milking that cash cow now, aren't they? Yeah. Really for this, that I think that's pretty pretty extortionate. Um, yeah, let's move on, shall we? Let's but what move is on. by then a former doctor? Indeed, indeed. I really can't see how they can justify that that kind of cost. No. I really don't. You know, just by saying it's a eleventh Doctor set, no, it might come in a nice display case or something or a flash box, but thirty pounds, that is just you know, yeah. that's just off. That's just off the scale. That really is. That really is. Now, um next yeah, you found quite a few bits, didn't you, Paul? Um I was just looking I just went from Forbidden Planet and sort of looked around there. <laughs> Lurking you, around Forbidden Planet, as you do, as you do. Yeah. So, I often lurk around, never buy anything, I just lurk, looking at stuff. Yeah. Um, now, next up is a TARDIS shower curtain. Yes. Yay, hooray. Um, now, this appears to have gone back to the previous TARDIS, uh, like uh, the uh, ninth and 10th Doctor's TARDIS, because it hasn't got this St John's Ambulance badge on it. Yes. They, might, they might well have been at the... A licensing problem. Maybe. There, maybe. Um, now, again, this is available from Forbidden Planet and is expected on Tuesday, the 30th of September. And the little accompanying uh, statement that comes with it, it says, The Doctor Who Tardis Shower Curtain does not, and this in capital letters, does not make your shower bigger on the inside, but it is damn cool. Surely I'll just have a hot shower. I was going to say, yes. Yes. It makes your shower cool, but I'm going to take it back. I know. So, um, I've got a boiler that does that. <laughs> <laughs> now, it looks like there is a pre order price for this uh, at uh, £19.99. That's a 9% saving. Yes. So it was originally £21.99. Pence. So, of odd figure that like £21.99. Yeah, I know. That does sound a bit. I think they, just... uh, they think they can't shift them at that, but they might shift them at 19. Well, you thought that was an odd price. Uh, next item, you found a, a, a Doctor boxed mug 12th Doctor. That is yes. such an odd way to to build this. Should I just say a 12th Doctor box mug? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, so basically, some uh, the one side of the mug um, has got the doctor's new doctor's costume, um, and then the other side it says, "Just one question: Do you happen to know how to fly this thing?" Which is basically everything they know about Indeed. the doctor at the moment. Indeed. Now, the, merchandise. <laughs> now, this is also expected on Tuesday, the 30th of September, and this has got a pre order price of £5.49. Again, an odd price. Now, there yeah. is a 21% saving on this because it is originally retained at £6.99. Well, I just don't know how something necessarily. At what point do you, was it retailing at £6.99 if it's still on pre order? I know. I don't understand that at all. I don't understand any of any of it, to be honest. But uh, there we go. There we go. Now, um, the last item in Tack Corner. And we're back to uh, Mr. Potato Head. We haven't had a Mr. Potato Head toy in here for a long time, have we? No, they've obviously been stretching themselves trying to think what they can do next. I know. Now, um, this is expected on Thursday the 30th of October. And it's another Dalek Mr. Potato Head. And you think... We've had a Dalek Mr. Potato Head, but no, this one is different. This is a Dalek Sec Mr. Potato Head. Okay, and it's got an extremely groan-worthy pun attached to this, isn't it? Yes. Okay, because they describe him as the... um, I'll read the whole thing. Mr. Potato Head becomes the ultimate exterminator when he dons the indestructible shell of the dreaded Dalek Sec, leader of the cult of Scaro and the Doctor's starch nemesis. Yeah. Oh God! Yes, I can, I can hear the sound of the tumbleweed blown across now. Uh, basically, it's identical to the previous do- uh, uh, Mr. Potato. Mr. Uh, I'll say that again, Mr. Potato Head uh, Dalek, except it's in black. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, this is got a pre-order price. Uh-huh. Peter Capaldi would approve, wouldn't it? It's in black. It's in black, indeed. Indeed, he would. Now, um, it's still bloody awful. I don't care how you dress it. It still looks. It's not a Mr. Potato Head, is it? Yes. Really? It, yeah. oh, I don't know. But anyway, this has got a pre-order price of £15.99, a 20% saving, because originally it was nineteen ninety nine, And I think at either price, it's a rip-off. <laughs> yeah. I really do think uh, it's a rip-off. I suppose if you've got the others in your collection, then you may feel you have to. Well, maybe. I, th- I, think, by, I think by the time you've gone down the road of... Getting the other Dalek, Mister Potato Head. I think you've you've just gone so far down that road. You have to get this one now, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. The choice of taste. Where is my where is my line on what is good and what is bad has already been crossed, <laughs> isn't it? I think you've lapped it, really. If you've gone this far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's it for uh, Tack Corner, and that's it for the news this week. So, coming up very very shortly is our review of the Spectre of Lanyon Moor from Big Finish. So for another week then, that was the news. Okay, everybody, uh, it's time for another Big Finish review and basically our last Big Finish review for a long time because uh, obviously with the new series starting, won't be any now until the winter months again. A bit like our commentaries. So Yes. Uh, yes. Good so, news there. <laughs> good news all round, everybody. So... As we said, this time we're going to review The Spectre of Lanyon Moor. Up the airy mountain, down the rushy glen. Stefan, you have deserted me! We daren't go a-hunting for fear of little men. No, do not leave me! Some external force interfering with the orientation circuits. We've been drawn off course. I've said that one before. 
Ah, Mr. Ludgate, still enjoying the new toy? Definitely some sort of electrical activity up on the moor. I don't suppose the brigadier has put in an appearance this morning? Lethbridge Stewart, you old rogue, how are you? I'm extremely well, thank you. Professor. Ah, oh, Sir Archibald, good morning. You, you know the brigadier, don't you? Yes, we've met. Morning, brigadier. Morning, sir. Any news on the spectre of Lanyon Moor? The what? All of this is Lanyon Moor, right across to Tremaine, five miles that away. Dusk is approaching and night falls very quickly on the moor. There's quite a mist rising, so... Uh, do make sure you stay on the path, won't you? Yeah! OK, Paul, it's, it's your turn to kick this off, isn't it? And before we do that, before we go any further, there will be spoilers ahead. Yes. We're going to go on the basis you have listened to this, because uh, this was released in June 2000. So it's 14 years old. Um, yeah, I don't think we could... We, spoilers apply in this case, do they? Well, no. No. So it's a 14-year-old story. So um, anyway, and, and I'll say, if you had listened to Big Finish, you would listen to it by now anyway. Maybe. We, we might adjust. <laughs> well, no. We Yeah, but we... <laughs> We we were Philistines. We didn't come to this until very late in the day. We didn't know about Big Finish, did we? So um, we sort of took our finger off the Doctor Who pulse. But uh, anyway, Paul, what did you think of this story? As soon as you selected it. <laughs> as soon as I selected it, yeah. Um, at this point, I've got to say, I quite liked it. Yes? Okay. Um, not that it was groundbreaking in any of its ideas, but mm-hmm. probably quite the reverse, I think, is why I liked it. Um, it very much had the... Um, feel of the sort of 70s Doctor Who about it. The sort of Tom Baker, Philip Hinchcliffe era. Yes. I, I, yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. Exactly. Sort of, that's image of the Fendile sort of era to the manor house that stuff's going on there and people not quite sure what powers they're unleashing and well, all I, that sort of stuff. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to echo that that sentiment actually because I, I must admit, it, yeah, it was fairly derivative of a lot of other Doctor Who stories. I was thinking more of um, sort of Terror of the Zygons, where you've got the local sort of um, the, the, the local gentry, yeah, is sort of sort of behind it all sort of thing. There's also echoes of uh, Caesar Doom again yeah. because you've got the guy in the big mansion and he's up to no good. We're using, you know. Sort of like technology that he's that he's just sort of stumbled across. Um, yeah, got demons because the archaeological archaeological site, site as well. Um, also thought there's echoes of American wealth in London. You know, stay off the moors. You know that mm. sort of thing. Um, I thought even some of the music um, at times it did remind me of Terror of the Zygons and um, the Caesar Dome. That yeah. very very creepy, almost sort of mournful sort of soundtrack to it. Um, but despite all that, despite the fact it didn't, there wasn't a lot of originality to it. I, I absolutely adore this. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I mean, I, I cannot um, believe how much I enjoyed this. It, it, to, to me, it was, it was like, um, it was like a good book you can't put down. Yeah, and particularly, I think for me, because actually, this case, Colin Baker was given a typical what I would consider Doctor Who story. Mm. to playing and you sort of think so let down was he by scripts otherwise oh god yeah but yeah this was just really oh yes give him something 
And also, I think what works so well in this, this is our second Evelyn Smythe companion story we've yes, done, isn't it? indeed, yeah. And how well the two of them work, I think. I, 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 again, I agree. I think she's an absolutely fantastic character. I really do. But particularly for his doctor that can be yes. pompous and whatever, that she's got the authority to be able to say to him, go and apologise to the professor. Well, she's she's that also, you can't imagine. You can't imagine Perry or Mel saying, "Yeah, being yeah. being able to," or him taking notice of them. Yeah, more to the point. I think there's um, because the the relationship the Sixth Doctor has with Perry is it's quite a how can I put it? They're always it's a, it's a very sort of bickering sort of relationship, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. even, even though they you, you know there's a, a genuine warmth between the two, but there's a lot of bickering that goes on. Um, Mel, I don't know, I'm not too sure about because I haven't heard enough of the Sixth Doctor and Mel on on Big Finish to be honest. And obviously, um, the Sixth Doctor and Mel, there wasn't a lot to go on really, was there in in the no. TV series? So uh, I'm not, I can't quite sort of put that into any sort of context. But with Evelyn Smythe, um, she's almost like the Doctor. Yeah, she wants to go off and explore, and she's quite capable of going off and doing it on her own. You don't she, feel actually because actually. There's, there's probably more of her in this investigating than there is mm, of the Doctor. Definitely. And you, definitely. but you don't feel let down by that. No. Or cheated in if for, for a strange way of saying it, but the well, fact that, that that it is her rather than him. Yeah, because I, I I just I, I loved the the bits when it was just her going off investigating, and because I thought it was she's a well written character. Um, I think she was well acted by Maggie Stables as well. Yeah. Really do, um, and I must admit, I, I can't, I can't wait to listen to some more Sixth Doctor and Evelyn Smythe stories. No, um, yeah. Well, we said that before. That we said that we did the last one. We did the uh, vampire one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we did, and we said, oh, this is quite, this is quite interesting, and we left to find out some more about it, which was probably one of the reasons why I picked this. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's actually even better in this than it was for that. I think so. I, th- I mean, um, Nicholas Pegg um, wrote and directed um, this particular story, and I think he did a damn good job. Now, obviously, as we said, he, he did borrow a lot of ideas here, but the- it all worked. Yeah, I did see one thing saying about this was written almost as a trying to be as a tempter to get Tom Baker to do a big finish. I, can... I don't know how true that was. Well, it, true or not, I can understand where that statement came from. Because it is the most um, Tom Baker story, as you said when you when you kicked off the review, it's the most Tom Baker story I've listened to in a long time. Yeah, it really is. I'm like, but I loved it. I Just to have it. that feel of that sort of something, something evil's happening on the moor. Yeah. Um, what's you know, and the fact that you also had you've got two different um, villains almost going through this. As well. Well, exactly, and I must admit that did sort of catch me off guard somewhat. I think to me that was the that was the surprise. Yeah. To this story, and you, and you had you had several surprises. In fact, well, you you sort of you started to build up. So then you start to think, oh well, obviously the Lord of the Manor has. Sorry, we have said spoilers, so I'm just going to go into yeah. this. Lord of the Manor is obviously up to something. Yeah. Also. James Boland was a bit James Boland, but that's probably what it wanted, this character needed. Well, do you know what? When I first started listening to this, I didn't realise it was James Boland. 
it wasn't until the end I thought, no, hang on, I really do recognise that voice now. When I sort of Googled this particular story, I thought, oh, right, okay, I, yeah, I, I know who it is now. But what I didn't know is his wife, Susan Jameson, playing Mrs. Moynihan. And yeah. So um, they came as a husband and wife team as well, to get well, him to do it as well. well possibly because you know. he, he's, he's got a bit of a reputation so, as being a bit of a curmudgeon, isn't he, James? Yes. Rowland, so. <laughs> as, as I said, perhaps invite his wife and we can she can act as a yes. interpreter. And, j- j- just ask Rodney Buse. But but he did play it reasonably understated, which the act could have been. Uh, yeah, I was very s- over the top. It could have been, especially. It's when- only it's only really at the end where he meets the alien. Yeah, that he starts to get a bit manic. Well, I, I but think because he knows it, he's facing death. Well, probably. it was more panicky than manic, yeah. wasn't it? He was, he yeah. was beginning to panic, and um, but that's what I like because I, I, all the way through, you think, okay, you know about Archibald Flint. It's right, Sir Archibald Flint, I should say, James Bond's yeah. character. You know, he's you could sort of. Get the thing he's, he's up to no good. You know, Mrs. Moynihan is. You sort of realise that she's up to no good. But when you the point, well, you, only late because you just I, think she's well, just a, a, an additional character that's leaving early. She's gone on holiday, but then you realise that where she's gone. Yeah, and then but then you you think that she's in league with Sir Archibald Flint, but of course she isn't. No, she's got her own plan, own uh, agenda, own yeah, agenda, so... and it's completely unrelated to Sir Archibald Flint's plan. Now, yeah. um that I th- I thought was excellent, really, because it it did because it wasn't what you expected. No, you thought Sir Archibald was waiting for her to return um, from Greece with this stone, and that would help fulfil his plan of world domination. It's all about um, mind control, wasn't it? Yeah, and he believed he was the um, well, basically the the Messiah, but uh, Alistair Crowley's Messiah. I love the fact they tied it back into Alistair Crowley. <laughs> Yeah. Now, if anyone doesn't know who Alistair Crowley is, he was a famous. Well, how can I put it? Where the did he? But he was he was famous for witchcraft, wasn't he? Black magic. Yeah. There's a lot of. And there, but wasn't it? Um, now, wasn't they said that Jimmy Page was a, uh, an Alistair Crowley disciple? It wasn't was it apocryphal tales, wasn't it? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not, no, I don't necessarily don't know if I want to go in. <laughs> yeah, now, now there, there was there was a thing about Jimmy Page being into, but, but he locked himself away in his mansion. It was all to do with black magic, and he was a devotee of Alistair Crowley, and I think it was all bollocks, basically. But um, maybe someone can correct us on that. But um, but I thought to, to, to tie that... <laughs> Jimmy Page's lawyers, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But to tie that into to something that actually happened in history, I thought was a nice little yeah. touch, to be honest. You know, um, yeah, but. Um, yeah, I just love the fact that it went off in two different directions at the end. Yeah, but by the end of it, you just nobody you trust. <laughs> well, no, exactly. You've got, you've got the Doctor, you've got Evelyn Smythe, and you've got as as we're as one of the other reasons why I chose this. You've got the Brigadier. Yes, and and effectively, they're the only people you could trust. Indeed. Um, now, obviously, the, the Brigadier has retired at this point, but I love the fact he's doing a little bit of undercover work for Unit. Still, yeah. Still doing it. And it all goes back to stuff that happened during the war, wasn't it? Where, where the Royal Navy set up a, um, a radar site. Yeah. Um, at this, this uh, what was it called? Or, on Lanyon Moor, but there was a name for the mound. What was, it, what was the name of the um, the name of the dig? It had a, a name, didn't it? Which I've yeah. now forgotten. There was a, some ancient <laughs> yeah. name for this. Uh, it's gone from my head as well. Yeah, um, had a really, really peculiar name. But anyway, the base of the same, the... the um, it, the radar never worked, and people just went mad and were found wandering the moors. 
Yeah. So um, move twenty miles down the road. Exactly. Yeah. So it's um, that's why the brigadier was there to sort of investigate that sort of what what's what's spooking. It was all because there was a a, a dig going on at the same time. So an archaeological dig. Uh, so it was um, it was neatly tied in for for unit, but um, but this is actually the, if you discount dimensions in time, which yeah. which should be done. It should be done. It should be done. It should, everyone should discount dimensions in time. Uh, this is the sort of the first time that the Doctor has met the the sixth Doctor has met the Brigadier, and I just love the fact that it was so underplayed. Yes, you know you just get the brigadier. Is you know me? You're wearing strange clothes. So you must yes, be, I know who you are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that line. I loved it. Um, but the one thing I loved about the this particular story is the characterization of the brigadier because he's he, back to his yeah back to his old self, but not not the the bumbling. Oh, I don't believe any of this sort of thing and. Yeah, the I dressing lo- I down he gives to the um, the captain. Yes, the, yes for cap- not checking the other airports, the local airports. Yeah, was pretty much the old brigadier, wasn't it? It was, and I loved it. I loved it. I thought he was utterly brilliant in yeah. this Nicholas Courtney. I really do. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't begin to describe how excellent I found his performance in this, and the fact they leave him to save the day as well. Yes. Now, get, it's all matter of fact, you know. It's, 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 this, of, is, this is the job I do, and so I was this sort of stuff? I suppose you could say I saved the world at the end. It was all yeah. very, very sort of, uh, as you say, matter yeah. of fact. It was. Uh, I love. I loved it. I, I loved, and, and the, yeah, and know. the fact that when he, he's given the option, you know, saying, "Well, if you do, if you fire that gun in here without your, without being able to control it, you'll blow us all up in the ship." Yeah. He says, "Well, if it's a question of me on the ship or, or the whole of the earth, then there's no." There's decision. no argument. Yeah, no decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the brigadier you want, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Oh, utterly, utterly brilliant. Utterly brilliant. Um now, um, what do you think do you think of Colin Baker? We've we sort of sort of sidestepped Colin Baker at the moment, haven't we? I have. I mean it, it's because it's not massively his story. It's not, it's no. The doctor. Um other than he does put Sort of to he, you get the feeling all the way through. I mean, and and it seems to be that he knows what's going more, what's going on. He's worked out what's going on mm. in terms of where the what the alien is and where it's from and how it's all going to pan out. Yeah, even working out to the the fact of what's happened to the other pilot of the ship. Yeah, he knows that. So you know, you, you sort of you get the feeling you don't feel that he's sort of peripheral to it. But it's really just more his reaction, his interaction with Evelyn Smith and with the Brigadier that's the whole part of his story in this. It is too, because he, I can say, all the way through this, he doesn't twig who the bad guys are. Nobody does. Until, no. until they sort of reveal themselves. Not in terms, yeah, not in terms of, of the human bad guys. He's no. more interested. Well, I think because he's so focused on Sancreda and the fact of who he is and where he is and what's causing it. Yeah. I think he doesn't actually even twig that there'd be people stupid enough... To mess around with this. To, to, to try and ally themselves to him or to, or to think they can use his power. Yeah. Because a lot of the time he does send a lot of people off into danger, doesn't he, without realising it? Yeah. Which is another thing I, 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 I like to know. It's not the... 
because people say that the Sixth Doctor was sort of a bit careless and reckless. Um, I wouldn't say that applied in this case. It's just because he generally didn't know. He wasn't yeah, sort it's of... A, the, the, it's only when he realises that Mrs Moynihan is working on behalf of somebody. Yeah. The, at that point, then he says, here, go alone. Yeah, and won't exactly. let the Brigadier go with him. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly, that's, that's exactly that's it. That's the first time, as soon as he realises, the first person he realises is a, a, one of the human uh, people in this is actually working with or trying to gain the power. Yeah. He actually then does step in and say, no, this is for me to do. But it's, it, he does, it just is a, is a bit blind to the fact that there would be people stupid enough to feel that they could use the, the power. Exactly. Now, obviously, the people who do use this power, and I'm going to, I mean, so we, we said spoilers, but there is an awful lot of deaths in this, isn't there? Because quite graphic yes. deaths as well, because they keep seeing these sort of, obviously, where does the spectre come into this? In, as mentioned, the title, well, basically, it's sort of like projections of the alien that's actually buried, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, or, yeah it's or, it's or his mental projection, he's, he's making yeah. a yeah physical it, form. Who basically looks like a little goblin thing, but um, he managed to kill people in rather gruesome ways, doesn't he? Because he basically just basically eats people to begin yeah, with. Yeah, just rips them apart. Rips yeah. them apart. And yeah, um, yeah so not a lot of people come out of this alive, do they? <laughs> I mean, the, the young girl that gets killed on the mortal with. Do you know what? Ag- that, that, uh, Smith. Well, I thought that was going to be someone Evelyn was going to pair up with. Yeah. And that did catch me off guard. They just introduced the character and then killed her. They straight killed her away. straight away. Yeah, uh, that really did surprise me. But just me. to give, just to give it, basically almost a, a thing on a, that that was, you get the, that was, uh, Archibald Flint using the power, wasn't it? Yeah, to a certain extent, because he'd obviously realised he was trying to kill Evelyn Smith, Smythe on her way back to the, uh, dig headquarters. Yeah, and just hadn't banked on the fact that somebody else was going to be out there as well. And that she had the stone that was protecting her. Well, of course, the um, the Sancreda is not particularly pleased with Sarchable Finn, is he? No, Flint, he has say. been. He has been used. Yeah. Yes, um, because he's been tapping into his uh, into his power for his for his own ends, and um, basically, which the Sancreda describes as sort of like years of um, misery and torment. Yeah, and he went back in years. Didn't yeah, he? exactly, yeah. and he wanted his revenge, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, he gets his revenge on quite a few people, and also um, he makes a, a mug out of Mrs. Moynihan as well um, yeah. by turning her, um, her own dogs on. Oh, that, I mean, that was really actually the, that was nasty, actually, wasn't that it? That was. That was. I mean, a totally unexpected and just you just felt so unnecessary. Almost. Oh, I know, but, but um, unnecessary in the sense that it just showed you just how evil and whatever it's twisted that he'd become in the. And also, justif- but also justifies why the Doctor was so concerned about this particular alien. Yeah. Um, and nobody being coming into contact with it. Yeah. Um, and why he, I don't think he, he believed, why he was so unaware that humans would actually want to uh, have contact with it. Yes, indeed, yeah. He yeah. just didn't realise that people didn't know how bad these were. These, these, these aliens, aliens were. were. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. No, I, I, it's... I mean, we talked about violence and stuff, and said, "Oh, yeah, it's a typical Sixth Doctor story." But no, this was a Philip Hinchcliffe era story. Yes, yeah, it was really out of that in terms of the violence. Even the the, the attempted torture scene 
with Sir Archibald Flint on oh, Evelyn Smythe when he starts talking about he's going to pluck out her eyes first. No, was... he was going to boil them out. Yes. He was going to boil the, her eyes out of their sockets. Yes. I mean, come on. I mean, that, that, is, that is just so Hinchcliffe. Yeah. That really is. And, and just the, the conversations between her and him at that stage with her being sarcastic before and all of that was really good it as was, well. It was, yeah. Really nicely played. Really nicely yeah. played. It really was. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I don't want to say too much more. I don't want to completely spoil it for everybody. I know we, we've given away quite, yeah, a, we've given away quite a bit here, but I don't want to yeah. completely spoil it because I mean, because honestly, it is one you've probably got to go and listen to. You've if you, got if you to enjoy, if you enjoy that that period of Doctor Who, the Hinchcliffe period of Doctor Who, then you've got to listen to this. Oh God, I. I Honestly, I, this has been my favourite Big Finish audio we've covered so far. I know we've got a hell of a lot to get through, um, but um, really, this is this has been my my ultimate favourite. I love this. Yeah, and there has been stuff of a sort of scene where people are saying because this is quite an early one in there. Yes, it is very early in the run. Yeah, their run, and saying that actually, if they'd done this now, they'd have got it even more atmospheric in soundscape. Yes, now compared... you don't get a lot of background sound to when they're out on the moor and. Well, actually, no, I I disagree with that. There's there's a lot of um, sort of bird noises and and wind and it's sort of like like a lonely moor sort of sound yeah. effect. But I would say it's interesting compared to the previous big finish one we covered, where we that uh, that seventh Doctor one, where we said considering that we're where they were, it was on an alien planet or on a ship, whatever. There was no atmosphere at all. Yeah, none whatsoever. There was no soundscape, but in this, there was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I cannot recommend this highly enough. I really cannot. I, I can't find anything bad to say about. It. I'm, I'm so glad. There's, there's nothing I can nitpick about this at all. No, no. It had. It had everything, and you slightly really was worried because it's got the Brigadier, and am I buying this because... Am I listening to this because it's... It's Nicholas Colton, it's the Brig, yeah. and is it just for being a bit nostalgic here? But Yeah. No, and not I, at all. And you just get to it, and you just think, actually, no, I'm actually... The Brigadier being in it is a nice bonus, actually. Yes. Rather than being the all-encompassing part of listening to it. Yeah, because, I mean, the cover of this features the Brig and, and the Doctor... Yeah. So they're building up a sort of like it's it's those two, but yeah. even if you took the brig out, it would still yeah. be a cracking story. No, yeah, it isn't. It, it's more Evelyn Smythe's story, it really, is. and yeah. it, and it doesn't. And it, like, as I said, it's such a good story that you're it's such an enjoyable story that you don't mind that. No, that's right. That's right. And 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 makes, as you said, Mate Stoves is so good that you don't actually mind that because no, you're actually enjoying her performance. Yeah. So, shall we leave that there? I think so. I think so, because let's, let's go out on a high on this one, because I really don't want to, you know, get into any nitpicking on this one. And yeah. um, I think we can both safely say we highly recommend this one, don't we? Yeah, totally. Yes, go and listen to it, folks. Go and listen to it. Okay, right. Uh, that's that for this week, then. So what's coming up next on the Who's He podcast? Right, well, next week is our break week. So there uh, won't be any new content out uh, next time, uh, next time round. But we will chuck up another couple of uh, older episodes onto the onto the website. Now, when we come back, it will be a week before Series Eight starts. 
Yeah. So um, now we've been sort of thinking about this for a for a while, and um, in the lead up to the new series starting, we thought we were going to do something a little bit a bit different rather than the usual, you know, retrospectives that we've we've been doing or big finish or, or target. So what we thought we we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit of a celebration of Matt Smith, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. So we're going to discuss uh, Matt Smith next time round, and. Um, we're sort of um, we're forming a plan on how we're going to approach that, aren't we? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we have no more details at the moment because we haven't got any more. We haven't details, got any. So. It's just an idea we've been forming for a long time. We've we've got a rough outline how we're going to approach this. So um, I mean, perhaps actually, if if any of our listeners would like to let us know what their favourite Matt Smith bit was, or or what, what they what didn't they, like about Matt Smith, indeed, yes, indeed, you know, just give us your opinions on Matt Smith, and um, we'll we'll read them out actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if we agree with them, no, no, no even if we don't, <laughs> if we don't, we'll, we'll read them out, and um, we'll probably get the same sort of response that we usually get when we, yes. we ask our listeners. Um, <laughs> bugger all! <laughs> yes. It's worth a try. It's worth time. a punt, and it? it's worth a punt. So anyway, <laughs> so that's what's uh, coming up in two weeks' time, and then obviously the twenty third and the thirtieth of August, we've got our Paradise Towers commentary coming. <laughs> Oh dear! I thought we were going to do the twin dilemma again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was it. Yeah, because we enjoyed it so much, didn't well, we? It, I think it needs a reappraisal, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in light, in light of just enjoying this Colin Baker big finish episode, we decided we're going to go back and watch the twin. Are <laughs> oh, we bollocks? <laughs> <laughs> okay. On on, on that note, <laughs> uh, we should wrap this up now. So. It is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Oh yeah, and we didn't get tickets to the BFI show in a deep breath either, the bastards.